BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Monday morning, Eagle fans. How are you? Hopefully all is well. Hopefully you had a happy, healthy, and safe July 4th weekend. Glad to be back on you here with Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. J-Mac, how was your 4th of July lengthy weekend? Um, Spectacular. Uh, you know. Well, neighborhood stuff. They're trying to be the block captain for all that. I'm, I'm really? Just, that's, no, that's my wife. I, I try to stay away from everybody as much as possible. Uh, but, yeah, it was nice to get uh, a little respite. Uh, Got to get some reps three weeks away from first practice. Uh, uh, three weeks from yesterday. Right. Eagles Less than reports. three weeks now. Now they report. But the first practice, we're three weeks away from the first practice so um getting close the clock is ticking and uh yeah i uh quick quick story and then we'll talk football for two hours uh where were you at approximately i guess it was around 5 40 yesterday somewhere after 5 30 uh slightly after 5 40 when uh the the monsoon came through south jersey 
Um, trying to get little flags. My wife puts these little flags in the front of the house, trying to get them up before the monsoon blew them away. So, um, it's about, uh, we got some, uh, you got something on there, Jody. I don't think it's me, but I hear something in the background. Yeah, I'm not um, sure what it is either. Yeah, we got some gotta be Tom something Brady. on my end. Let me see if I could uh, lose that. Don't know exactly what the problem is. Uh, let's see. If could be an ESPN tab if you got that open. They they play. Yeah, the only tab I got open now is uh, our show. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I will try and fix it. But where were you when the monsoon hit? Uh, I was trying to get stuff up so it wouldn't blow away really quickly. Then there was a second. We had a second monsoon. We're both in South Jersey, but a little ways away from each other. So we had a second monsoon sort of overnight. Um, um, so, yeah, storms are were pretty bad. It's been that way for a while, though. Um, uh, you know, and in between, you still got the knuckleheads with the fireworks, man. They didn't stop. They didn't stop. And now as a dog owner, I'm not a big fan of fireworks, so. Understood. I freely admit that. Uh, the fireworks weren't bad in my neighborhood, but my daughter came back up from the chore, got a ride, and she needed a, a ride into Philly. So she asked me to take her into uh, Philly, and she lives in Fairmont Park, which is close to where they were going to have the fireworks display. So I had to take a different road in that I usually did. But, oh, my God, we had to pull over on Route 70 here in South Jersey. It was raining so hard. The windshield wiper couldn't get the... Uh, water off off the front of my windfield uh, fast enough and pulled over in a little strip mall, which I knew was on a bit of an angle because you could literally see waves going down Route 70. The, the height on the middle of the road was up to the middle of cars. And I luckily got off in just enough time, uh, not even a third of the way to my daughter's house in Philadelphia. And we just sat there for a half an hour. Couldn't move. It was just the, yeah. the entire roadway was underwater. And we had to wait for A, for it to stop raining first, which took 20 minutes, and another 10 minutes for all the water to just uh, drain off the road. It was nasty out there. Uh, if anyone else got caught out in it like I did, thankful that you're uh, good enough to be in front of your computer and watching us here on Birds 365 yesterday. Because I literally thought my car was going to float away. With me and my daughter in it. I yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Usually after a giant slash Jets game coming back on the turnpike for some reason. Um, and I'm that knucklehead that tries to 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 power through uh, at all costs. It's probably better to do what you did and just uh, stop and uh, let it blow over. That's probably the uh, the the right way to do it. But yeah, I man. Am. When they, when they, and, and, and Route 42 for the people in South Jersey, that floods, when those things flood, yeah, it's best. If, if you have a place to pull over, just pull over. Just yeah. get over. I don't know that I've ever done it for rain before. I've done it several times for snow where I said, yeah, you're going nowhere fast. Get the hell to the side of the road, put the blinkers on. But yesterday was a little bit scary. But we're glad to be here on Bird Street 65 today because, as John noted, less than three weeks to the opening of camp. Three weeks exactly to the first practice, or should we say the first athletic gathering, because I'm not sure <laughs> the Eagles actually practice, but uh, I, I might be mincing words here. Uh, John, before we get into what we're looking forward to, looking back, 
you made it over to uh, Milt Williams and Zach McPherson's seven-on-seven camp. How did that go the other day? I saw you put some social media posts up on it. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was fun. It was it was also eye-opening uh, because you know I I I think I say it all the time. Um, you know, innovation trickles up uh, because people in the NFL tell me that, and and you know even more so to the college level, it starts at the high school level. That's where the real, real innovation is going on. Um, and boy, these kids are so advanced, Jody. I mean, and, and Rob Kessner, who's a producer for NBC 10 does the Eagle stuff. He's going to be on the show later in the week. He was there. I give him a lot of credit because he's done a lot of high school stuff over the years for NBC and, and he's really plugged in uh, on those guys. Who's good. Who's not good. Um, and he was telling me about this uh, kid from Roman Catholic. Um, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm to be honest, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of half listening and I'm sure he's good for a high school kid. Unbelievable. Jody. Really? Unbelievable. Uh, his name is Samaj Beals, for those who know local high school uh, from Roman Catholic. Uh, he's already got an offer from Alabama. Alabama, he's a sophomore, and he's got an offer from Alabama, which I checked out is completely true, completely legit. He, he's got arm talent that is unbelievable, um, and, 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 you know, Rob's now, he's going into his. Uh, he's finishing up his sophomore year this year, so next year he's going to be a junior. Yes, yes. Now he's very slight, and he looks like a sophomore. He's not ready physically uh, to play at a high level. But ev- you know, evidently, all these high level high school programs they go around and play these seven on seven tournaments. You know, basically weekly. So you know, when you talk about the quarterbacks and the receivers and defensively the corners. They're so much more advanced than they used to be. They're playing these things like a traveling baseball team all over the place. And I was talking to Zach, and he was like, DeMatha wanted to play, but he wanted to keep it uh, small and local. This is the first time they've done it. So there were uh, three South Jersey schools and and Roman Catholic. Um, But in the future, they want to increase it. And, you know, there's – IMG Academy, which is famous now because everybody go Nolan Smith went there. Kids travel all across the country to finish their high school careers there. Um, St. Joe's Prep here um, is sort of turned into that. Um, but I, I mean, the advancement of these kids at a young level is I, 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 I was in awe. Of, of that kid particularly I, I was there's like NFL throws and he's a sophomore in 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 high school uh it and, and I you could see like why is Alabama sniffing around this kid 10 minutes after I saw him throw I said oh oh okay that uh, makes sense yeah uh, but it was yeah it was pretty eye-opening because people have told me that for years but I don't watch high school football. I haven't seen high school football in years. I don't know what's going on at the high school level. I don't have time for it. Um, yeah, it is. It, it's amazing how advanced things have gotten in the passing game. 
which kind of explains the evolution at the NFL level. Yeah, since my daughter graduated from high school almost 10 years ago, you haven't been following high school football since. She was in high school, and uh, some of her buddies were on the team. We'd go over for the Friday night games here in town, walk over to her high school. I haven't paid near as much attention either, but uh, this seven-on-seven stuff sounds like it's a great way to develop at least skilled position players. Yeah, good on- well, that's the thing. And, you know, it, it also makes sense why NFL teams always get Yeah, why the hell was Milt Williams there? Yeah. Seven on, does anybody block on seven on well, seven? Well, Milt was joking. By the way, Milton apologized uh, for, for missing the show, but um did zach apologize for missing his well? i don't think zach knew he was booked for the show no. uh milton knew I, he came up with a big hug and apologized so it was legitimate uh and and he flew in from um he lives in the north texas area uh much like one of our producers <laughs> soon to be uh, soon to be um he flew in and blew out um, uh, for this particular tournament. Now he, he, he wants to set up his own uh, near Frisco, Texas. Um, and he and Zach have the same agent, the same marketing firm. Uh, they happen to be drafted by the same team. They worked out together before the draft, uh, before they knew they'd be teammates, obviously at the pro level. So um, yeah, he was just there to support, Zach pretty much and 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 you know he was joking it's been a while since he played seven on seven but he did play seven on seven back in his uh younger days um yeah and you know that's what I was getting at you know the NFL people also say and this is where the Eagles have the huge advantage with offensive linemen everybody complains there's no offensive linemen there's no offensive linemen there's no and when they are they're pretty raw and you got to develop them at the pro level, it's because all they're doing is playing seven on seven, but that's all they're doing at the pro level now, you know, True. with the Eagles. That's all the Eagles do. Yeah. So it's really difficult. And even the teams that do do the normal team drills and, and mini camps and OTAs, it doesn't help the offensive linemen because there's no contact. They can work on their footwork, I guess, the positioning, things like that, a little bit. But if you take out the contact, you know, so that's that's for training camp and when the pads come on. But that's explains the dearth of offensive linemen. And, you know, when the Eagles get offensive linemen, develop offensive linemen, that's why they do it. That's why they value it so much because they're really, really hard to find. Oh, then you would think it would have some effect on – the ability to play a defensive line too, both inside and outside outside that you can at least work on your speed and tap the quarterback on the bum because you're not allowed to actually hit quarterbacks no. in any of these drills either seems to have less of a negative effect on them. than they're not really doing it either, but I hear the point you're making about offensive linemen. All right, Jay Mack, uh, we got our buddy, Mike Gill making his usual Wednesday appearance coming up in just over five minutes from now. So wanted to get this in. Uh, this is the season of lists. Everybody's got their lists. Nobody's playing. Nobody's doing anything. Three weeks till camps open up. So everybody's putting out a list these days as are you and, uh, Eddie, uh, K from sports illustrated 25, uh, top 25 Eagles heading into the season. We got to add some names cause we were off, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, 
Uh, so when last we were on your list, you were at number 15 with Fletcher Cox. He was your 15th uh, ranked Philadelphia Eagle. Your next four include two DBs, Avante Maddox, 14, Brandon Graham, 13, James Bradbury, 12, and Landon Dickerson. Man, has he moved up the list pretty damn fast at number uh, 11. You got Bradbury and Avante Maddox both in the top 14. You still got a DB yet to go on the outside. You think highly of the – you and Ed think highly of the Eagles cornerbacks this year. Yeah, well, how could you not? I mean, they were both pro bowlers, uh, you know, slave for the fifth time last season. Um, Bradbury, second team all pro uh, for the first time. I mean, those guys were just unbelievable. And they kind of, you know, Slay had the great first half. Bradbury had the great second half. Um, and and they were, you know, it's one of those things with Slay specifically more than Bradbury. Uh, you know, he had he had the great first half and kind of fell off a little bit uh, in the second half. I think everybody kind of blew that out of proportion because just, you know, the old bringing up all the time, the regression to the mean, you can't play at that level. You go back to the Justin Jefferson game. He 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 shut down the best receiver in football. That's one of the best uh, cornerback games I've ever seen. I've ever uh, this one of the best cornerback uh, games I've ever seen. Then you add the age into the equation. People are scared. Thirty two, going to be thirty one on New Year's Day next year. Um, at some point, it's going to slope off. So. I'm not trying to say that's not going to happen, but when you look at the Eagles uh, corners and include Avante Maddox in that, it's as good as it gets in the NFL right now. I would say they have the best threesome in the NFL as well. Um, I put out my 25 <laughs> since you guys did yours. Uh, I had Maddox at number 15 was the last one we did before taking the long weekend. I had Fletcher Cox at 14. You had him at 15. We had the same two guys just in reverse order. I had Carter higher than you did. You said you and Ed wouldn't go any higher because he's never played in the NFL. I guess I'm doing a little bit more projecting to put him at 13. And you'll I, probably be right, by the way. Could, could I'm, very, well. I'm very high on Jalen. I know you're you're high on the player, but I uh, wanted to keep it in a specific kind of do something on the field first before being projected. I gave him a little bit more slack. I got Dallas Goddard at number 12, and you guys haven't had Dallas Goddard on your list yet, so we know he's in your top 10. I had him at number 12. And, yeah, I got Slay at number 11, who you have higher as well because you haven't gotten there. I do expect a little bit of a drop-off from Darius. And specifically last year, you mentioned that game early in the season against Minnesota. I thought you actually saw regression over the course of the year. And when you do get in your 30s, that is something you keep a tight eye on because it's just human nature that the older you get, the less productive you are. Uh, Mother nature starts to take over. Your body just isn't what it used to be. I'm not saying that Slay's going to get burnt for a whole bunch of touchdowns this year. I think Howie Roseman played those cards like a master this past year. Just enough information out there that the Eagles could release uh, the, the Slay. Uh, he got nervous. He got worried. Open market. His agent probably shopped him. Wasn't going to get the kind of dollars that the Eagles were at least offering in a renegotiation to get his cap number down this year and then tack on the future years. And before you know it, boom, it's like he's got a new contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
at a what seems to be a very fair rate. Uh, some of these reindeer games that Howie Roseman plays, he's just phenomenal at. And doing the Darius Slay contract was one of them. Yeah, I do think we're going to see Darius Slay as not one of the, 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 the top two or three corners in the league. Where he has been at times during his career, I don't think that's in the offing anymore. And I have a Eagle cornerback yet to get to on my list that I have in my top ten that you guys just floated out there. So we uh, will see how the quarterbacks actually play themselves out, but we still agree that the Eagles have the best threesome as far as three cornerbacks go, the best threesome in the national football league. And I don't know yeah. if the team that's second best is even close to that. Yeah. It, it, it's a good group and how we went into that process thinking he could get two of the three back, two of the three secondary players. And it kind of toggled back and forth. I think a lot of people assume Slay would be one right off the bat because he was under contract, but they were just going to have to renegotiate that contract. So as things spelled, I think early the Eagles thought Bradbury would be priced out of their range. All of a sudden he comes back at a, a decent number and that changed things. And then CJ held, if CJ would have accepted the offer, uh, Slay would probably be in Baltimore to be honest. Uh, but CJ was, upset and thought he was disrespected um and the eagles said all right yeah we're gonna try to work things out with slay remember he and his wife said goodbye to philadelphia i mean they were out the door on, on the way down south i-95 to baltimore they were out the freaking door and how he's like all right let's revisit this and they were able to work something out um and that's because cj wouldn't accept uh the contract offer so it kind of worked out the way it worked out. They they wanted to get two of the three back. They got two of the three back. I think the the original assumption was it was going to be Slay and CJ, and Bradbury would be out, and then it turned into Bradbury and CJ, and Slay would be out, and ultimately it ended up to be Slay and Bradbury, um, and they kept the cornerback group together, um, and they got two of the three, which is what they expected. And uh, now the so with, question. And by the way, two the two best players too. CJ splashy, but not nearly as consistent as Slay and 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 Bradbury. Different yeah, position. The the only thing CJ has going for him is a little younger than Bradbury and Slay. Uh, so they took the more veteran route. But you're right, the guys who uh, projecting coming into the season probably the two best of the three players. We shall see. Uh, he's John McMullen. I'm Jordan McDonald. We are Birds 365. Good to be back. Hopefully everybody had a great, nice, safe after yesterday's rain. Oh my God, that was scary. Uh, a long, long holiday weekend. We're glad to be back talking Birds football with you. We will get our buddy, Mike Gill from down the shore up next to help us add to the Birds conversation here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. morning if it's a wednesday morning it must be a mike gill morning he's giving us a little taste of both his coffee and his backyard looks nice out there uh what are we we're donning for the t-shirt today mr gill old oh, faithful baby yeah. old faithful yeah uh back to now, West, what conference are they in again because everybody keeps changing are yeah. they in a new conference this no year? they're still in the big 12 sadly i'm trying to get out of there man Big 12 kills me. I can't do a lot of travel during the fall, so I haven't been able to go to a road game. And although they are at Penn State this year, they open the season at Penn State. At Penn State. Is that going to be a whiteout? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. September 2nd, Happy Valley, and then next year the game's in Morgantown. So they play Alabama one of these years to open up the season. So there's some uh, some nice non-conference stuff, but the Big 12 schedule is tough for an alum to get to. Yeah, I just kids. saw. You I think Penn State up yeah. against Alabama. How do you not know what year that is? I think it's twenty twenty five. The twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. I think they have a, a home and home with Alabama, or maybe it's in one of those like uh, in Charlotte to kick off the season. Yeah, uh, right. one of those things. I, it's early, but I don't like their odds for that one, Mike. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't like their odds for that. No, one. the football program has taken a uh, tailspin with Neil Brown, but put out a lot of Eagles there for a while, right? They had yeah, a bunch man. of them in that one little draft. 
You got Wendell Smallwood. We got Rasul Butler. A bunch of uh, uh, Gibson. Shelton, the great Shelton Gibson. Kaiser White was a was a Mountaineer. Yes, he was. So was his brother, right? Uh, both his brothers, I think, were West Virginia. But I'm not uh, not a hundred percent today. The pipeline from McCungy, uh to 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 West Virginia. There, um, yeah. Doing it well. Uh, West Virginia's been a good team over the years. Uh, but college football now, it's five teams and everybody else. Let's be honest. Uh, unfortunately, and that's part of the problem in my estimation. Anthony, but, Anthony Beck. The, uh, yeah. Yeah, XFL local guy, Anthony coach. Beck. The, uh, yeah, Battle Hawks head coach. He's a, he was a Mountaineer. Yeah. Uh, is that who he was coaching? The St. Louis Battle Hawks, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And that's the uh, the big attendance draw in the XFL. The St. Louis people trying to prove they deserve an NFL team, which they had one. But you know, hey, if you don't if you don't if you don't sell out the Stan Kroenke, you're going to lose your NFL team. That's the moral of that story. Uh, but let's get it closer to Philadelphia, Mike Gill. Uh, three weeks away from the first practice now. Uh, it's list season. Jody and I were just talking about it. Ed, Ed Kratz and I are currently in the midst of our top 25 Eagles, but list all over the place. One of them I saw was our buddy Randy Mueller, who's often on the show, former NFL executive of the year. And he was running down the top weakness of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's ironic because another friend of the show, Eric Edholm, uh, was was doing one of his list and and uh, top overrated concerns as I guess how he stressed it and they were in diametric opposition. Eric thinks it's way overblown. The coordinator changes. Randy thinks it's a big big deal. On that scale, where yeah. is where is Mike Gill? That's a really good one. Um, uh Man, I think the coordinator change is interesting because the the last time we saw this happen in the Reed era was when they had issues, when they started plucking coaches from Andy and, and you didn't have that continuity on the staff. Um, you did see a dip in this franchise in the Reed era, who, you know, is a very good head coach, well-respected, but you can only handle so many defections from your staff before you start to, you know, feel it. At at first, then, look, I'm not a John Gannon hater by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't think John Gannon was this horrendous guy. You're not the number two defense in the entire league by having a guy who's an asshat, right? He has to have some idea what he's doing. I said often on this show, every player on that defense, literally almost every single one, had their best career, their best year of their career ever last season. So I think the defensive coordinator switch is going to have some sort of impact, if not only because the defense is going to have so many different faces on that defense. So either the new coordinator won't be felt as much because he has so many new guys to kind of deal with, or he's going to go through what Gannon did the first year, where, hey, I just have a new defense. I got a bunch of new guys, and they're all learning this defense. The, the offensive coordinator who's been here, knows the guys I have no idea is he going to just install his own offense or is he going to keep a lot of the same 
principles of what we've seen. I guess that remains to be seen. And if that's the case, if he just kind of keeps everything, I would imagine that the, the, the both coordinators are not as big of a deal as maybe, I guess, Randy Mueller believes they would be. I'll tell you why I think you at least have to, going into it, believe it's a big deal. We've never seen Sirianni switch coordinators. He's only been here two years. Yeah. Had the same two guys for both years. Until you see a coach <clears throat> handle a transition of the guys who are in charge underneath them, you don't know. Yeah, very fair. We, we can all uh, speculate. Oh, Nick is a guy. Is he a guy who really has his hand on a wheel, even though he's not calling plays? It's his offense. It's all about him. It's not going to change. Or is he the kind of guy who says, listen, I'm putting you in charge. I'm giving you the rain. You do it your way. We don't know. He yep. said that he has faith in his coordinators. So we take him at his word, but we're not in those closed doors meetings, in those uh, sessions where they're breaking down film and coming up with, we don't know yet. I think. Without knowing, you have to think it's a pretty big deal because we have no evidence to judge by previously. That's why I would say it's a pretty big deal. Well, what's a, what's, a bitter, what's a bigger thought in your guys' mind? The fact that there's a new coordinator or the fact that there's basically a completely ca- new cast of characters on defense? Yeah, well, that's that would be my concern. Offensively, because Jody knows, I love Shane Steich and tremendous respect as a play caller. Um but, I mean, it's Nick Sirianni's offense. He's an offensive guy. They're only replacing two starters on offense. And, and you know, Miles Sanders and Isaac Samalo, very good players. I'm not trying to downplay it. But they're changing five uh, defensive starters. And uh, it's not only Gannon. If you did a coaching depth chart, they lost the top three coaches on the defensive side. Gannon, Denard Wilson, Nick Rollis. They lost a bunch of guys uh, from the coaching staff. So I think just the turnover alone makes it more difficult for the defensive side, plus the head coach, as he acknowledges, he's involved. He wants certain things, but he's not a defensive guy. So Now, John, do you concur that when Andy started to lose co- – coaches not just coordinators yeah that that had something to do with the team's downfall or was it coinciding with lack of talent well they did a good job for a while but yeah once you lose uh, as many coaches as they did it starts uh to have an effect no question about it and talent's a big part of it as well let's be honest and and nick says that show me good coaches i'll show you good players you you can only do so much with a bad roster but you don't even have to go back to andy i mean you could argue the eagles weren't the same after super bowl 52 after losing frank reich a lot of people have said this and john de filippo um only one coordinator but a very important position coach as well uh they had trouble moving on from those two guys yeah, I think it's a bigger deal than I'm. I'm more if if, and I love Eric and I love Randy, uh, but I would lean more towards Randy Mueller. I think it's a bigger deal. I don't. I don't think it's an overreaction to say. And by the way, I think the Eagles have hinted at this, Mike. By they they in essence created a new layer of the coaching staff with Marcus Brady and Matt Patricia, uh, senior offensive, senior defensive assistants. 
those roles didn't exist when Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon were here. That at least makes me raise an eyebrow a, a, a little bit. Well, if anything, it shows, I guess, you know, in all sports, we love to blame the coach. Everybody loves – the basketball coach is always the worst. There's never been a good basketball coach in the history of basketball coaches. They all stink. <laughs> the manager in baseball, you know, he it, he's always at fault. But the football coach probably has more hand in a win-loss in a given game than any other coach. Um, and I think the Eagles are showing – or the Eagles are showing the importance of coaching just in football by adding even just more guys and just saying, this is your title. We just want your head, your, your mind in the building. You're not in charge of the linebackers. You're not in charge of the defensive line, the corners. We just want your defensive intuition in our room and help us out here. So I, I think it is definitely showing the importance of how much teams value what a coach can bring to their team. And yeah. it's, it's so difficult to try and judge because it's not necessarily hands-on. John and I both sit there and go, we like CEO head coaches. We like guys who manage the coaching staff rather than the hands-on play calling, play in, play out, overmanage every snap of the like. It's a talent and it's a skill into itself. And I think well, Nick Mariani has flashed it pretty damn well these first two years. I have one of those weird memories, and I can remember a time I believe it was John with Krause, who, who, you know, who Jacob here runs the whole thing, used to host a show on our radio station. And I remember, I think it was you, John, at the time we're doing the show with Mosher. And Peterson was the coach. And I remember Krause asking almost weekly whether Peterson had too much on his plate. Should he be more of a CEO coach? And this is, of course, they're going through a seven and nine season. Well, then the next year they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. they might have been nine and seven, uh, you know, or seven and nine and then won the Super seven Bowl. And so, nine. No, they were yeah. seven and nine. But seven and so, nine with a rookie quarterback who was and the, the rookie coach. quarterback 10 days before the start of uh, week one. And a rookie um, coach. And the yeah. question I think to you guys, John, was, is there too much on his plate? Should he be more of a CEO coach? I think it's different for everybody. How much can you handle? Some guys, Jody. You know this probably, you know, you work with a producer. Can they multitask? Can they answer the phones while they're editing a piece of sound? Can they get you a story? Can they do multiple things at one time? Some guys can multitask. Some guys can't. Now, you would think someone at the NFL level, once you get to that point, that you are of ability to oversee everything and do it all at one time. Maybe that's just not his skill set. Maybe it is. But I think everybody's a little different. Yeah, see, I think it's an ego thing. If you come up on one side Quite of the possible. ball and you're the play caller, offense, defense, whatever, you get the head coaching position. Well, I'm not giving that up. That's me. That's my strength. That's what I do. That defines me, my ability to call plays. So they don't want to give it up when they become head coach, yeah. even though at least. I think you're both good. right. I think sometimes it's ego. Sometimes yeah. it's everybody's different, like Mike said. And Doug, because I talked to Doug about this a lot, he just loves it play calling i mean that's his favorite that's his part ego of the job. Him that he loves it yeah, the guy's a 13 year nfl player he didn't have an ego he didn't that's what i'm saying it, it, he and by the way he ended up giving up play calling just nobody knew it um when he was struggling in the last year uh rick scan uh, scangarella was here and and press taylor and they were handling uh 
two minute. I think Rick had two minute and, and press had red zone stuff. And he said, all right, we're struggling. Let's see if, if we could do something different. Didn't work. They just had a bunch of injuries and had a bad season. Um, but he just loves play calling. I, the guy doesn't have an ego. Um, 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 Doug Jeff. Peterson. Now, some people do. That's what I'm saying, Joe. I don't think I don't think you can say that of anyone who's ever well, coached in the National a, a Football big League. Ego. Anyone who gets that. to the level of head everybody coach in the has National a, Football every, League has an ego. Come on, everybody, John. Everybody has a little bit of an ego, but there's levels of ego. I guess we all look at what ego is differently, ego. right? Yeah. Uh, we perceive someone with an ego to be a jerk-off for the most yeah, part. Exactly. I don't think we looked at Doug as a jerk, no. but in – Internally, I think, I think Andy Reid's got an ego. Does that make him a jerk? No, it makes him a no, no, time winning Super Bowl coach. Right. There's a there's a part of what everybody everybody great as well is sometimes is that they have an ego, but they don't let their ego affect the people around well, them. Well, I, I probably said that wrong. Everybody has an ego. I have an ego, Jody has an ego, Mike Gillis, everybody has some there's a difference between the normal level of ego and the right. massive. Josh not Daniels level ego. Uh, not letting not your getting... ego overtake yeah. the room. Yeah, and and it, and it, you know, exactly. and I never yeah. got that feeling from Doug. Um, but I I I say it all the time, and that includes Doug. I would prefer a CEO coach. I I'm not changing that, but I just never got the thought that Doug Peterson wasn't giving up play calling because of his ego. That's all I was trying to say. Well, I always ask the question when people are hiring a head coach, what makes a, a, whoever hires the head coach, the owner, the general manager, team president, <laughs> whoever makes that decision, what makes them think because a guy is some offensive wizard that he can call a great game, that he is capable of running all 53 men? I always find that to be an oddity of – well, you're such a great play caller. You've got to be a great head coach. We have to hire you. And it's like, yeah. oh, just because you call a good game, what do you know about defense? What do you know about right. running special teams? What do you know about yeah. bringing the offense and defense and the special teams together? I always and, find And, and you know what, Mike? It's such a cliche in the NFL. I've heard it a million times. If you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. If you're hiring a scheme, yeah. you're doing it wrong. And they all hire schemes. Not everybody, Holy. but – and, nine, and, nine and about 70, 75 to 80 yeah. percent of that is offense yeah. it's yes. scheme first and offense yeah. dominating well, that's why, the team. and that's if why i said if you're a defensive coach you are uh, minimizing your chance to get a head coaching spot in the nfl with every passing year and, and that's like you know i guess it's more philosophy these owners want offensive philosophies running their team but you know, you almost want a guy who is a defensive-minded coach who goes out and finds some guy who's some offensive, creative guy because he knows his limitations on that side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of hiring an offensive guy who's going to probably be a, a, a play caller as well, you would almost want the defensive-minded coach so that he's out of the offense and brings in somebody who has a really smart mind on that side of the ball. Yeah, you can do it different ways, and, you know, for instance, I mean, you know, we'll see how it works out in Miami with, with Mike McDaniel and he brings in Vic Fangio. In theory, you know, Vic proved he's not a great head coach. He proved it. Uh, but he's a really good defensive mind to the point everybody wants to copy what he does. So now you have the offensive guy and the defensive guy. Let's see how it works out. Maybe it yeah. works out really well. 
there's a bunch of different ways you can do it and have success as, as people have proven. But if, 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 if you want to give me $6 billion and please, uh, please do, uh, I'm going to hire a CEO coach if I'm buying it. I'm, that's the way I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah. I, that's what I believe in. doesn't make Mike, it right. <laughs> Mike Gill, I haven't touched on this. We're 43 minutes in the show and you haven't touched on the uh, issue du jour in not only the National Football League, uh, not only here in Philadelphia, but the entire NFL. Uh, it's just a bigger deal here in Philly than in th- 30 other outlets uh, that have NFL teams. Mike Florio, Pro Football Folk. I, 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 oh, I like- I'm glad you got to this, Jody, because I was going to go the conspiracy route. Yeah. I think Mike Florio is tweaking Howie Roseman. That's you, my you, conspiracy. You think it was a Howie shot, huh? That's my uh, conspiracy. For those who don't know what I'm referring to, um, I probably happened on Friday. So all weekend was floating around and uh, up till today. We're now like four or five days behind the story. But Mike Florio, who I'm a fan of, and I think West Virginia guy, by the way, that's right. WVU guy um, used to come on my show. Then he became too big a deal. I can't do little Jody McDonald show anymore. Um, But I still uh, love his, his stuff and his website. Uh, although it's gotten a little carried away and he just created a new website, which I don't understand. I hate friggin' change. You got a, you got a great way to give it, don't go fancying it up where people have to figure out how to use your website, you idiot. But anyway, I digress. Um, I totally agree with the website that the new, the whole NBC Roto world, all of it, they, they ruined it. Yeah. Well, I think those are, those decisions are above Mike's level. I don't often defend Mike, but I'll defend him there. Uh, I yeah, think that's well, then he, he sold his soul to the devil and he's paying the price now. So I won't give Mike uh, any slack. Uh, but anyway, he posted either Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, that the NFL has come out with a private story to explain the problem with the field in the Super Bowl this past year. That it wasn't the NFL. It wasn't the people in charge of the field. It wasn't the, the George Toma, the turf god or whatever his nickname is. Uh, the God of Sod or whatever. It was the fact that the Eagles and the Chiefs had the wrong cleats on. That they didn't come out and test the field well enough and get the exact right cleats. Even though many an Eagle changed cleats two or three times during the Super Bowl to try and find the right cleat for the slippery mess that was the field. The NFL, according to Mike Florio, the king of conspiracy, is behind closed door for anyone who asks have advised all of their owners, if anyone brings it up with you, tell them it was the teams, the Chiefs and the Eagles, that had the wrong cleats rather than the field was a sloppy mess on your biggest game of the year, NFL. You, uh, John says he thinks it's just a complete uh, throw in the face of Howie Roseman because uh, those two don't know. Well, I, well, I'm partially joking. I'm partially joking. But I, I do think because Howie called him a conspiracy theorist, uh, this, I, I mean, but if I'm an Eagles fan, and I've said this, Jason Kelsey, right? Who's the most popular Eagle? Jason Kelsey. Um, get the fuck over it. I'm sorry for cursing. That's what Kelsey, I was trying to bring it up. For me personally, I never want to acknowledge that somebody else or something else has control over the outcome. If I'm truly a competitor, that shit's on me. Nobody, you know, you can't blame the San Francisco fans for whining and then turn around and whine and complain. 
it was a crappy field. Both teams played on the crappy field. Right. The Eagles outplayed the Chiefs and didn't get it done. They didn't make a play in the second half. That's it. Well, Turn the page. Did this all just come up because Graham said this, uh, I guess, with Derek and, and uh, the other day? Um, well, that's what Jason said. With because it hasn't Derek. been brought. The Eagles, I think, to their credit, did a good job not saying anything about it to the point where you're like, how could you be so tight-lipped? The field was disgraceful. Now, you could say both teams had to deal with it, but obviously the Eagles all season long, when you have 75 or 78 sacks, you lead the league by such a large margin, and then you get none, it seems that that affected what happened in the game. Now, you're right. Both teams had to deal with it, and the Chiefs, for whatever reason, it seemed it affected less than the Eagles, but that would tell me that the NFL should be completely embarrassed by the product well, they had that, to put out on that field. That's a different conversation. I'm with you there uh, because the NFL's too concerned about the Super Bowl show and all that halftime show and all that kind of nonsense. I'm with you there. Yeah. But I'm 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 not with this um oh woe is the Eagles because the field was crappy. Um and that's why I point to Jason Kelsey and and everybody who takes it his way, which I Jalen Hurts as well. Um I mean everybody if you're playing the NFC championship game in Green Bay, right? You gotta deal with it. You got to deal. They build that field. They build that for the Green Bay Packers, not anybody else. So if they get the number one seed and it's crappy weather, hey, deal with it or lose the game. It's the same thing. Was it the most positive deal for the Philadelphia Eagles compared to the Kansas City Chiefs? Probably not because the Eagles' strength uh, is not uh, – uh, it's not exactly matched up the only, with the crappy The field. only caveat to that would be you're playing on their field because they earned it. You're supposed to be on a neutral site, so these the things should be neutralized yeah. so that it shouldn't affect Yeah, but then, then you get down into the, the weeds of uh, – we'll bring up another Kevin, King, uh, Kevin Kincaid, friend of the show, another West Virginia guy. I saw Kevin. We got to get Kevin on because I got to. Kevin and I usually agree on most things. We disagree on this. And he was talking about George Toma alerting the Kansas City Chiefs. The guy's 94 stinking years old. You think Andy Reid's taking a phone call from George Toma? Oh, Andy, here's your big advantage. Not a bad I mean, one. It's not I a bad theory. <laughs> I cannot. I, I, I can't get it. And this is where Mike Floyd. I can't get into these stupid conspiracy theories. I can't, I can't, I can't. Did it help the Chiefs? Yes. That's well, different than a conspiracy. Has done the field in previous Chiefs Super Bowls? Do they have some sort of relationship? Yeah, he used to work for them, I guess. Oh, um, there you go. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I it, you know, that's like back in the days where um, – you know, if, if Chip Kelly used to talk about this when, you know, people would come into old and talk about things like sports science and those old school coaches say, get out of my office. I, I don't agree with that. And, and Chip's like, it, 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 if your answer is we do it this way because we've always done it this way, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. you, you should listen to people. Um, I'm all on board with that. 
the conspiracy stuff, and that's why I bring up Mike Florio. It 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 helped the Chiefs because the Chiefs weren't built the same way as the Eagles. Okay, you got to overcome it, and they did for the most part. They were very competitive. They were in the game. They had the best player on the field. Um, mm. It was 38-35. Both defenses couldn't stop anybody. Um, and the only difference between, and this is something Kevin and I agree on, the only difference between Super Bowl 52 and Super Bowl 57, the Eagles made a defensive play. In 52, they didn't in 57. That's and, the only oh, difference. by the way, in that game, when if there was more of an advantage for the Chiefs than the Eagles because the Eagles speed rushers, you're trying to put a, a, a number on it. Over some period of time, you got to be able to figure out and adjust. And I'm not saying maybe the field keeps you from being able to be 100%, but the Eagles lost the second half. So if you want to say that there was an imbalance in who would affected more, well, it should have affected everybody less in the second half. And in the second half, the Chiefs were actually the better team. That's why they uh, went ahead and ran the game. Yeah, by the way, Jody, you bring up a good point. What the hell happened in the first half when the Eagles didn't have the right cleats on? They beat the brakes off them. And if it wasn't for the fumble, the game would have been over. And they still had the same crappy cleats on, and they beat the you-know-what out of the Kansas City Chiefs. It Mm. doesn't make any sense at any level. Except so, the conspiracy theory. So Mike, Mike, uh, John thinks it's uh, because he's trying to pimp Howie Roseman. Why does Florio even go there? I, do you think he created this thing out of whole cloth that he got a whisper somebody in the league that I heard this guy tell a league owner because a league owner asked about this? Why does this uh, even come up at this? We're in July. We're getting ready to open up camps. We're now yeah. six months for at least four months, five months removed from the Super Bowl. Why does this become a thing? Why does Florio go there? I, I I literally again I go back to did when Graham said something. It's the first time I've heard, and then I guess Chauncey Gardner followed it up and agreed with him to some extent. Yeah, so Chauncey we, did. Yeah, in the middle of the summer, where you know we're four at the time, you're like four weeks from camp. Hey, he just said this. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know throw it out there that uh, you know the field wasn't on the, the league it was on you buddy who, who who's talking about the the offensive line is lucky that that field was a mess well no if you would have put the right cleats on maybe he would have had a different outcome in the game it, it's just a bizarre situation I can't even believe in July three weeks from camp that you're right this is all resurfaced because it's a horrible memory it's one of the worst I, I mean, you think back to the game, and you don't want to talk about it because we're all like, well, everybody played on the field. But the fact that the game has that caveat to it in the background, it really sucks for that game, for both sides, for both sides. Well, that I agree with. The NFL should be ashamed of themselves. They got to do a better job. And if it's going to come down to that, just have it indoor facilities. I mean, if you can't figure it out. They so. did have an indoor facility. It's indoor outdoor, but you know, it's not the same as the conventional dome. Well, where you have the, the, the fact is this, if somebody in the league said, let me go to Mike Florio and try to get this message out there. Um, I don't know. Is Mike Florio the biggest name in that mark in in that field? To I'm get telling that? you, Howie called him the conspiracy theorist, and now he's trying to tweak Howie. 
So that's what I'm saying. The league goes to him because they know that something so preposterous would would fly through him. In other words, if I put this out oh, through yeah. Rappaport, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's not yeah. going to be believable. If I put this out through Adam Schefter, yeah. Yeah, it's that's not going to be believable. It. That's part of it. Yeah. Well, and the NFL, you know, to, to be fair to Mike, the NFL is, you know, they want to cover their own crap ass and say, oh, you know, we didn't make a mistake. They made a the NFL made a huge mistake with the field. Right. But it was, um, it was four months forgotten. Why? why yeah. On, yeah. Pardon the pun. Why unearthed it again at this time? No, don't do why? that. Why? I go okay. back to, I think, Graham bringing it back up. Yeah, Brandon did bring it up. Um, yeah. Yeah, he Which, did. You know, my producer. Yeah, I think that's more of a Philly thing than a national thing. Did that get national attention, Brandon Graham's quote, or a lot more? A little bit, I think. No, a little little bit. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I think that was more of a Philly thing. All right, Mike Gill, I take it you didn't make it over to CIO at all last week, did you? No, uh, but I saw plenty of the pictures. My old producer, James Seltzer, there got his ass whipped by uh, Jason <laughs> Kelsey. I did see that. Um, it looked like a great event. I heard they did like $150,000 before the doors even. Oh, they're even at open. like four hundred grand now. Well, I'm saying before Total. the doors yeah. even opened, they yeah. did one fifty. dollars uh, He's got something going there, man. And, and you mentioned it, John. You know, you think about this. I was off on, I guess, Monday, and my producer was filling in for me, and I was in the car at 4 o'clock when we do football at 4, and they were talking about, you know, lists ranking the fan bases or something in Philadelphia. I said, how many different sports uh, football uh, fan bases can name the center on their team, let alone him being the most popular guy on the team? How about the backup center? I mean, people here, yeah. Jody, you know this. I mean, I go back to when I interned for you guys, and people would talk about, well, who's going to be the backup center? Who's going to be the second string guard? Yeah. What oh, yeah. fan bases are having that conversation? It is, and 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 it's just so apropos that Jason Kelsey would be the most popular eagle on a team that went to the Super Bowl uh, a year ago and won a Super Bowl. It, it is so apropos, and he fills the role just perfectly. He does. That's, uh, that's he a does. Kelsey thing more than an Eagle fan thing. The guy's just. He's a guy who flat out gets it and knows how to uh, be part of the community. And uh, I just think he's that good a dude. And we are so lucky to have him as uh, the center of the Eagles and the face of the franchise for a very long period of time. Mike, yeah, you know we kept... real quick, Jody, real quick, Jody. How many offensive linemen can embrace that role and, and perfect it? Some of them are just, they don't like it. They don't want to talk. They want to be behind. Now, you get every rare one that wants to be the ham, but they, they're a ham and they don't handle it right. He handles yeah. it to perfection. He yeah. handles that role and hits it out of the park. It doesn't yeah. matter what position he plays. He, we know he plays center, but he's got that kind of personality. He's got that kind of mindset. That's why. And by the way, the Eagles got three of them. They got Lane and Jordan. Who got the personalities to handle it? Not to Kelsey's level, but uh, they offensive linemen. This all, you know, not only are they good, but man, they is Bialata going to start taking over for the sensational Soul Cruisers or what, man? Yeah, that dude. That dude is a Pro Bowl. That's what I tweeted. He is a Pro Bowl level left tackle, and he missed his calling because he's a better singer than he is a left tackle. <laughs> he is, a, and, and for people that saw Jordan got married uh, over the weekend, I guess, yeah, in, in Maui, um, and 
clip of him singing, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it's I uh, I saw the clip and and you know the sensational soul cruises are big down the Jersey Shore this time. They were down at Kicks McNutley's on uh, over <laughs> Kicks the week. McNutley's. There you go. That sounds like a. I, uh... I saw. I went down to. Uh, I saw Colin Thompson Sunday. I went to his celebration. Nice. Uh, down in Cape May. Oh, I forgot about that. And uh, oh, you know who I ran into was uh, Matt Rule was in in attendance. Not there. Really. Nice. He was Terry Bradway, the former G- Jets GM, was oh. in the house, so it was a nice uh, little party for Colin, who, who's in town for the week. Very nice. Uh, Matt Rule gonna have to get on a big old jet plane, get out to Nebraska pretty yeah. damn soon. Good to see he's still got his roots here on the East Coast. Uh, Mr. Gill, thank you very much. We always love Wednesdays when you jump aboard with we'll that Mike Gill show. Uh, very popular with the listeners, Mike. Uh, I used to get a big ego. We were talking about ego because I was very popular on Mike's show. Now Mike's very popular on my show. It all comes around 180. So Thanks much, buddy. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing what t-shirt you have on next week. That's Mike Gill okay. here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, uh, Birds 365. We still got an hour left to go. We got a good hour because Rob Marty's going to join us in about 20 minutes. So stay right here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. 
At DryTech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Yes, a week getting underway. Hopefully everybody had a great lengthy 4th of July weekend. We thank our boss, Joe Krause, for giving us a couple extra days to uh, get rested and relaxed before a long football season which we're now less than three weeks away from Eagles camp when it opens up. Johnny Mac, when it does open up, there are going to be a bunch of positional battles. Let me get uh, one particular one uh, on the table to debate today. As Mike Hill just said, who's the backup center? Who's the starting center? Who's the backup center? Some fan base is more into it than others, and we know how diehard Eagle fan base is. But it doesn't matter which team you're talking about. Everybody likes to debate the quarterback position. You never want to debate the starting quarterback position. You want to have that guy locked in, sure, ready to go. And we know that that's the case here in Philadelphia with the kind of season Jalen Hurts had this year. And we believe Marcus Mariota is going to be the backup. He came here uh, to replace Gardner Minshew, who decided to join his buddy in Indianapolis, Shane Steichen, and maybe be the bridge guy to lead into Anthony Richardson. But the third string quarterback, which remember, we haven't discussed this in a while. The NFL redid its rules this year because of basically one game. That would be the NFC championship game in which the San Francisco 49ers. And yeah, I put this on John Lynch. You cut him more slack than I did. You said he went to his first. The first string got hurt. Second string got hurt. What do you want the guy to do? To have a better option than Josh Johnson. That was a joke. Josh Johnson being a quarterback in a conference championship game should never happen. So the NFL, like me, probably overreacted and said, we're redoing the rules. If you've got your third string quarterback on your 53-man roster on game day, you are allowed to put him in. Even if you don't activate him, you are allowed to put him in as an emergency quarterback. It was a rule that was in place for years in the NFL, and for some reason, They did away with it. I'm not sure exactly why they did, but they rightfully have brought back the emergency quarterback. So last year, Ian Book was on the Eagles roster all year, right? He never got, uh, they they never opted. No, yeah, he was, he was, no, he was, he was a part of, uh, a part of the roster, picked up on waivers, off waivers from uh, the New Orleans Saints. Um, And uh, yeah, the Eagles value, that third quarterback and so did San Francisco, San Francisco was down to the fourth quarterback. So um, it is what it is. I mean, eh, you're screwed either way is my, my only points with if you're down, because if we, if we look at who's going to be the third string quarterback, I, I think that's where you're going. I think there's a legitimate shot for each player. Um, I think the Eagles will default to the draft pick, their draft pick, even though Ian Book was a higher draft pick. But they'll default to their draft pick this year if it's even or close to even. It's typically how they do business. Um, 
But then if you think about it, and even if you get Ian Book through waivers, put him on the practice squad and keep four quarterbacks, if you're down to Ian Book in the NFC championship game, you're not you're not you're not gonna be in good shape. Ian Book better than Josh Johnson. Yeah, that, probably. That's that was my whole rub last year. We've seen Josh Josh Johnson, I think, has been on every team in the NFL twice and some three times, that he is such a traveled veteran. But Ian Book was the third-string quarterback. This year, he would be the fourth-string quarterback if that worked out the way. um, Remember, Brock Purdy was the third-string quarterback. They were were already down to the third string. So it's Brock Purdy versus Ian Book, which I know you're going to give the edge to Brock Purdy there, and you should. I mean, Brock proved a lot of things. Um, typically third string quarterback, typically you're screwed when you get to the third string quarterback. That's why what San Francisco did was so amazing. Um, four string. That's where I get the look in, in that instance, you know, maybe San Francisco, you remember all the stories. Maybe they were hopeful. Jimmy Garoppolo could play in case of emergency or whatever, Otherwise, you can bring somebody off the street. I don't know that that helps you. I, I I don't know what else you can do. If you're down to the fourth quarterback, you're in trouble. You should be. You should have been long gone with the third quarterback, to be honest. And they persevered, so they they deserve credit for that. Yeah. I, 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 Sorry, I'm, I'm throwing a flag and calling it roster mismanagement on John Lynch. They had it wasn't like Brock Purdy became the starting quarterback that week. He had been the starting quarterback for seven weeks leading up to that game, and in seven weeks you couldn't find a better quarterback than Josh Johnson. Yeah, you should have been able to. So uh, you and I will disagree on that. I I will hold uh, the GM accountable for not having a better option because you're right on that given day. He was the backup. He wasn't the fifth string. He wasn't the guy. Yeah, yeah. You've already gone through Lance. You've already gone through Garoppolo, whether they could or couldn't have played. On that given day, you have to have a better option if Brock Purdy gets hurt than Josh Johnson. They didn't. So this year, at least they'll have a third string option to be able to step in and play on game day as an emergency starter. You said you think that uh, if all things are equal, Tanner McKee will be the guy because they drafted him. Is that the right line of thinking? They were able to scoop up Ian Book off uh, waivers. The the Saints didn't protect them. The Eagles protected them all year. So at least they made that commitment to to him. If it is equal, you think it's McKee just because of uh, what have you done? Well, I I think it's if, if it's equal. This year? I think uh, you know Ian Book. If he outplays him, he'll win the job. I think which it should be um, as a third string quarterback. I, you kind of saw it like. Carson Strong had the leg up to be the third-string quarterback last year. He was awful. I mean, if Tanner McKee shows up and he's awful, uh, they'll go in a different direction. Uh, They had Reed Sinet as well last year. He was not much better than awful. That's why they went out of the organization to pick up Ian Book. Um, And, you know, we haven't seen either of them. I think uh, Ian Book better fits this offense um he's got some movement skills um tanner mckee's a a more of a traditional drop back passer um so you would have to change the offense if you were down to playing him um so 
how comfortable do the Eagles feel with that? They claim they're comfortable with it. Um, and, and it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I, I, but I do think it'll be a legitimate competition. I'm just saying if it's, if nobody significantly outplays the other and it's basically, you know, if you have 14 days of training camp and it's, you know, Ian was better in eight days than six for Tanner McKee. I think they would, that's the part where it gets a little shaky. I think then they probably default to McKee because they drafted him, which I don't agree with. Um, but a book outplays significantly outplays Tanner McKee. They're not going to keep Tanner McKee because they drafted him. They, they cut Clayton Thorson because he was awful and he was a fifth round pick. Um, so they'll cut Tanner McKee. But I think he has the leg up, um, the default leg up, because they drafted him. How much of the decision do you believe is shaped by who they think they can most easily get through to the practice squad? That if they still like both guys, someone may play slightly better than the other, but pretty damn close, and they got to make a call, one's going to be released and hit the street, and they can try and woo them back to the practice squad as much as they possibly can, but everybody's going to take a job. If somebody says, we're going to make you our third quarterback, then whoever they cut McKee and or book is going to go to that team that's going to give them a full-time NFL check rather than a practice squad check here. But how much do you think the decision is based on who they think they can get back to the practice squad because they don't get a job on somebody else's uh, three-man? Not, not much, because if you think – you know, you're, you're keeping three quarterbacks. So if you think um, somebody is susceptible to being claimed off waivers, uh, you're not going to risk it just because there's, you know, maybe you say, well, McKee's got better arm talent um, and, and maybe somebody uh, will claim him, uh, but book is a better player. I'm trying to get book through the prize. I don't think they would do that. Um, at that level, I don't think that comes into it. And I, I, I also think that's overrated, and people kind of forget every year. They're like, the Eagles are so deep, they're going to claim six, seven people off. Never happens. Never happens. Because, uh, you know, you have to understand, every other team has 90-man rosters. Right. And, and they're working with their own young players, and they're in the system, in their particular schemes. And they like them for that reason. Then they've been working with them. And they're not just going to take some guy who they know nothing about, who they haven't worked with, and say, oh, now if it's a significant upgrade from a from a talent standpoint, yeah, you'll probably see two or three Eagles claimed off waivers at the cutdown because they're one of the deepest teams. But it won't go much deeper than that. It won't be this groundswell and they've they've been caught, you know. Brett Toth, I always mention, they thought they could get him through to the practice squad, and Arizona claimed it. But even that was a unique situation because he was coming off the deferment, and they changed the rule. He lost a bunch of weight, and the Eagles were like, "Well, he's got to get in the weight room. He's not even ready to play, so nobody's going to take a shot on him." So there were all these extenuating circumstances even to that, uh, whereas Jordan Mylotta is the exact opposite. 
they were concerned that somebody might pick them up and they said, all right, we're just going to stash them on the back end of the roster for two stinking years. They did it. Um, because they didn't want to risk losing them. Yep. They don't want to risk losing a player. They're not putting them on waivers. And that was the exact way to handle to it, my lot, as we now see by the results. All right. One more quick question, then we'll get a break, then we'll get our buddy Rob Marty from the <laughs> AP up here. Um, since we're talking about the third, fourth string quarterbacks and the like, Eagles coaching staff, they got a new quarterback coach this year. They're the old quarterback coach and now the offensive coordinator. And they hired a first-time quarterback coach, but a recognizable name who's in the league for years. If there's anybody who can determine what you need out of your third or fourth string quarterback, might be Alex Tanny because he was that for such a lengthy period of time. But being one and coaching as one can be a different story. Know that Sirianni has talked him up a blue streak to this point that uh, he has fit right in and and become a member of this staff and that he seems to be comfortable in his new role. It is a new role. It is an updated role for a guy like Alex Tanny. Should we have any questions about the Eagles quarterback coach this year? Um, I don't think so because, you know, he was there similar to DK uh, McDonald. Um you know, he was the assistant to Denard Wilson. Alex Tanny was the assistant to Brian Johnson last year. So he was in the room already with the quarterbacks. So they're very familiar with him. Uh, he's played for a, a very long time. I always make that argument. It's like, oh, he's got no experience. Well, he was in the league for, I, I say it more about Josh McCown when people would say, how could you give this to Josh McCown? Well, he played for stinking 18 years in every scheme under the sun. He knows a little bit about playing the position. Um, same with Alex. Um, and, you know, you don't know until they do it. But I think, you know, Brian Johnson and, and Jalen Hurts are so close. I think Brian's still the de facto quarterback coach anyway with the with the number one quarterback. Um, then maybe it becomes a bigger deal with Marcus and uh, Ian and, and Tanner McKee. And, you know, by the way, Alex Tanny, a uh, former teammate uh, with Marcus Mariota, when he came into the league, the two are as thick as thieves. So um, I think that helps as well. And Tanny, not quite the level of uh, McCown, uh, 10-year veteran in the league, not a almost 20-year veteran. There's <laughs> a little bit of a difference, and Alex never even achieved the level no, of McCown. No, and McCown no. was a backup basically his entire career, but at least he did play some. Tanny did a lot of clipboard holding, but that's um, a valuable experience for being a quarterback coach. We'll see if he's up to the task coming in this season. And when you've got your uh, former quarterback coaches, the offense quarter, you know that they're going to be. And, and, you know, the history says <clears throat> backup quarterbacks tend to be better coaches than starting quarterbacks because they, you know, it was uh, some of the great quarterbacks, like they don't understand why people can't do what they can do. And, you know, the backup quarterback understands, hey, it's not that easy. You got to do this. You got to do that. So. You know, it's like backup catcher in baseball. They're great managers. Backup quarterbacks, they tend to be they tend to be good coaches. We'll see if Alex Stanny gets a job done for the birds in that role this year. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. 
We haven't had Rob Marty on in about a month, uh, the lead writer for the Associated Press covering the National Football League, Philly guy at heart, even though he's living down there in uh, Florida these days. He'll always be a Philly guy to us. Rob Marty, Associated Press, <clears throat> up next here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Mac and Mac, here with you on Birds 365, waiting on our boy. There he is, uh, Rob Marty from the Associated Press. Oh, apparently is out and about. He's getting out in the car. Uh, That's nice. Uh, punch him up there. here. Where is he? Are you up here or down there, Rob? Where are you? Oh, I'm in Florida, guys. How are you guys? Yeah. Doing well. Very good. Uh, yeah, the sun looks like Florida to me from there. Yeah. Not that I can judge the sun in its car. But where are you going in Florida? All right, we've established you're in Florida. You going to get Dunkin' Donuts or what? 
Now I'm I'm he- I'm heading to the gym a- after uh, a three week, two week, whatever the heck it was, vacation, man. I, I gotta get I gotta get in the gym. Yesterday was July fourth. It was not a good eating day for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I got in there immediately, like ASAP. First thing I, I did was wake up. I'm I'm ready to talk to you guys. I'm I'm heading over there now and uh and, and then I gotta get filled in on everything I missed in the world of sports. Like it it was a. It was the first time I actually tried to shut off as much as I can. Nice. I, yeah, you need to, right. especially with the grind coming. It's coming up quick, Rob. Uh, oh, so you you need like, a little rest. Yeah, I feel like it's the end of it's the end of summer. You're going back to school. You're going back to football. So it's um, it's come it's coming quick. Coming quick. All right. So this would uh, this will be perfect today because uh, you understand the game. You're as dedicated as you are. We can get a litmus test from you because, as you say, you kind of took a big step back the last couple weeks. So this is just feeling off the top of your head. I love it. NFL and gambling suspensions. Johnny and I have talked about it plenty. John's got more of a burr under his saddle than I do because he thinks that the NFL has mishandled it. I think they needed to be harsh, but I do kind of agree with John. Could they have done suspensions before they got the? Could they have done fines before they got to the suspensions? The NFL in their stance, as harsh as it's been, necessary evil because they have to show that they care about this stuff. Does it point up the hypocritical nature of their relationship with all these gambling sites? What do you make of the NFL throwing out these suspensions as harshly as they are? I agree with the harsh suspensions because I I think the integrity of the game is so important that you can't at all in any way show that you're, you're being lenient here. However, my, my concern is this, what if it's a significant play? How are they going to handle that then? Right? So far, like nobody cares about Isaiah Rogers being suspended for a year. So far, James Williams is the only player um, who is a significant type player who's received the suspension. And I know Calvin Ridley last year got, got a full year. But, but what if there's a quarterback? What if at some point they find uh, a big name, a really big name superstar? How are they going to handle that? They're going to have to handle it equally as uh, and, and be that tough and difficult and, and give a one year and, and suspension. But here's the problem. Players are claiming they don't understand these rules and they don't know what's supposed to, what you can and can't do. It's pretty simple. Just don't bet on football. That, that's yeah. all it is. We've known this forever, guys. You don't bet on football. My problem is, why do you even allow players to bet on any other sport? Well, that's, see, that's where Jody mentioned, and typically, Rob, I'm a guy who defaults more towards the NFL for reasons that most of this stuff is collectively bargained. So the players already had a chance through the union to work out these penalties and things of that nature. Why I've kind of shifted here is twofold. One you brought up and that's the fact that, Oh, you're allowed to bet on NBA games. As long as you're outside of the team facility, outside the parking lot, can't do it in team hotels and all that kind of stuff. There's so many caveats to it. And let's face it, we're talking about, sometimes we're talking about 21, 22-year-old kids who got this in their pocket all stinking day, and all you got to do is hit a couple clicks and you bet five bucks on a basketball game. Oh, but you did it in the team facility. 
that's look. If you bet on NFL games, I got no problem with it. But if you bet five bucks on a parlay in basketball, but you did it in the team hotel or the parking time at a team hotel, and you're getting suspended for six games, I got a problem with that. There's got to be a room for some common sense in these types of things. So maybe you go to the kid and say, hey, hey, dummy, you can't do that. And if he does it again, then you hit him hard. I, I just think there's room for some common sense. Am I wrong because of the CBA? That that's understandable. That you know, I I understand if, if you're allowing them to bet on on a basketball game or a hockey or or baseball or whatever it is, and and you're doing it. But why bet? Now I understand it's a, a gazillion dollar industry, and 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 the FanDuel's and the DraftKings and all of them are, are going to and points bet fanatics now are getting in the game and. They 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 want people with money to have some action on there, but if you are the NFL, you're already making you got these deals. You want to make it easier for your players to understand no betting. Period. Bottom line: no betting. Move on. When you're done playing, go ahead, do whatever you want to do. But for the three years you're in the league, for some of these guys, the the one year you have an opportunity for whatever it is, no betting. Now we have no problems. Nobody has any issues with the potential integrity of the game. I think that far, it's so important to maintain that because there are, this question has always been out there. People have always, every time you see something crazy happen, oh, it was fixed. It was fixed, which we know isn't the case, but there potentially can be that issue at some point. So I, I'm, I, why waste five dollars on a parlay for basketball, or fifty, or or whatever the equivalent of fifty bucks is to you and me? It might be fifteen hundred to to some kid with making nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars, whatever it is. Just eliminate betting, and you won't have any of these issues. Nobody can complain. Nobody can say, uh, "I'm, you know, I, I I woke up all crabby coming back from vacation. I don't want any kind of issues like this." <laughs> uh, the reason uh, that John and I disagree here is maybe I cut the uh, uh, I give the players a little bit more credit. They're supposed to be three year college kids minimum. You can't come out. You you, you talk about twenty year old kids in the end. Friggin' there's eighteen year old kids in the NBA who never set foot on a college campus. You went there for three years. It's not that hard. You can't bet on NFL. You can't bet on anywhere tied to a team facility, hotel, whatever bet at home. You want to bet the NBA? You got to be at home. I think the kids should be able to figure that one out. That's just me. But I give them credit to be able to understand the difference between what you can and can't do. All right, Marty, man, we're less than three weeks before camps open up. Who's the most pressure on in the NFL this year? What team? I, I want to say Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. When When that trade goes down, when he's brought in to be the savior of a franchise at this stage of his career, the way things shake, shook out in Green Bay, and there's some pressure when, when you're 39, 40 years old and you got to go in and win right away because you, you look at the landscape of the NFL, even if you're the Chiefs and you're Patrick Mahomes and you're Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Josh Allen, there's some pressure, I think, in Buffalo too, Jody. I, I think they got to prove that they can go to the next step, the next level. <laughs> the most pressure, uh, all, 
the, the first thing I, I, I would point to is there's high expectations in New York. It is New York, even though they play in North Jersey. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers, and, and I, I will point to him and say he's got to come in there and they got to win and, and they got to be a Super Bowl contender immediately. And I, I don't know that that's going to happen in that loaded AFC, but I, I would certainly point to him as the guy and the team with the most pressure. Uh, yeah, I would just tweak it a little bit, Rob, and say that, um, you know, Joe, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala under a ton of pressure. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, man, he's just going to have some ayahuasca. He's going to be fine. He's, there's, no, there's no pressure on that guy. Yeah. Um, there are a number of high-profile veterans still out there. We're about three weeks to camp, most notably – Probably the biggest names are Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins still. But there's a lot of other guys. Zeke Elliott's still out there. I mean, uh, 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 Jarvis Landry, we talk about here a lot. The Eagles needing uh, potentially an upgrade at, at, at wide receiver three. Yannick and Dockway still out there. We know last year and Dominic and uh, Sue and Linball Joseph waited and sort of did that ring shopping. Did, did Howie Roseman, I've been talking about this, Rob, did Howie Roseman create a new market in the NFL for these veteran players who've made a lot of money? And, you know, they don't want to pay, pay for the veteran minimum. They don't want to go through the grind of training camp and OTAs and the offseason work. Are we going to see more of guys like Lynn Ball and Indomitian Sue just sitting back and saying, well, let me see who's good, and if they need help, I'll come in. In season, potentially Jadavion Clowney, right? Uh, I, yeah. I, I, he signed in the, in the last uh, couple no, of days. No, he's, he's out there. Couple of Super Bowl uh, MVPs, Nick Foles and, and Joe Flacco. So th- there's a lot of lot of guys out there, big name guys. It's interesting what what you say, John, in in regards to how uh, Sue and Joseph came in last year. I think it depends on on the player and his his kind of. Where, where he is in his, in his career, like Leonard Fournette uh, might want to be in camp and play uh, a, a guy, a, a guy like Clowney or, or a, a, a guy like Robert Quinn is at the tail end of his career, but he's another one who's out there and available. Um, maybe they, they go that route. It also depends on the position. I think if you're a defensive lineman, that's something that you could probably come in and you're more of a plug and play. If, if you're a skill position player, there's the transition a little bit of being ready, being able to play, being in great shape, knowing the system and all that. So I think it depends, but there are certainly going to be some guys who may want to do that. And then other guys who want to wait for an injury, right? They'll, they'll yeah. wait for an injury. And yeah. then there's a, uh, you know, with Zeke Elliott, the thought has been all along that he's going to eventually go back to the Cowboys. I know Dak Prescott is close with them, wants him back in Dallas. That could still happen. Um, at what point will it happen? Will they? Will some of those backs like like Elliott and Cook uh, wait until Jacobs and Saquon Barkley figure out what they're going to do? Whether they they go back on the the franchise tag or, or get a deal, and how does that affect them? Uh, I thought Hopkins would have signed by now. I guess he's just taking his time, right? DeAndre Hopkins and trying to figure out if he's going to be New England or where else he wants to go. I would have thought that he'd want to go somewhere that has a better chance of winning than, than New England. We'll see how that goes. You know, Tennessee brought him in. I don't see them 
with any chance of a Super Bowl. But that it, it, it's it's potentially something that I, I think guys can do. Wait, go ring shopping, as you said, and, and see how that pan almost worked out nicely for Joseph and Sue. Yeah, they, yeah. they got to the doorstep, but that stinking turf, right? They're still complaining about that. Still, man. <laughs> Yeah, we got to bring that up, Rob. Yeah. Uh, no, let's not do that again. We, we, we spent 20 minutes talking about that with Mike Gill. All right. Uh, first of all, on the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you're right. There is going to be a ton of pressure on the Jets this year. Uh, Rodgers, uh, the general manager, the coach, everybody. And, oh, by the way, it looks like they're going to be the hard knocks team. So it's going to start right away on HBO before the season ever gets going. So you are exactly right on that one. Much to my chagrin. Thank you very much, Mr. Marty. But let me stay in that division. Let me see if I can make myself feel better. The New England Patriots go, how bad do I want to make them? All right, 7 and uh, 10 this year. Out of the playoffs, last in the AFC East. Is Bill Belichick the coach again in 2024? Well, he's he's chasing Don Shula's mark, and I'm sure that he – he would want Robert Kraft would want him to do that in, in New England. How many wins away is he? Is he, is he need two year, two more years? How much equity does six Super Bowls get you? That's the question, right? Yeah, that's and, why and, I'm not, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, how should you know? Man, it should I, give I, you a hell of a lot, hell of a lot. I, I, I think it gives you a, a long, and, and I know Kraft has said we got to get in the playoffs and we got to make the playoffs, and, and he said all those things to seemingly put pressure on Bill Belichick. I would be surprised if Bill Belichick left the New England Patriots not on his own doing. I would be surprised if he ended up, whenever his time is to leave New England, that it came down from Robert Kraft. I I think Bill Belichick has earned as arguably the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL with six championships, albeit all with Tom Brady, who went on and won one without him. And now we know that it's more Brady than Belichick. Still, I would be surprised if he doesn't have uh, the ability, uh, has built up enough goodwill, equity, whatever you want to call it, to be able to leave on his own terms, whether it's in one year, two years, three years. But there's a heck of a lot of pressure, I think, on the New England Patriots and Belichick to, to figure out, you know, Bill O'Brien's there now. Can they get – is Mac Jones going to be the guy after a nice rookie year and a subpar sophomore season? Can he be – can they get in the playoffs? And uh, I, I look at them as more of a 7-8 win team than a 9 or 10 win team. By the way, Rob, uh, Bill's at 298. He's still 328, Don Shula. So he's still got a ways to go, which is he's kind of amazing. It. And Andy Reid, by the way, is going to surpass Tom Landry this year for fourth all time. Andy Reid. He's he's not only a Hall of Famer, but you know when you get into, and and I may even do this now in in the days leading into training camp with not much happening, do some rankings, right? You rank your head coaches, you rank your quarterbacks. Depending on the criteria of rankings – Andy Reid is arguably the, the best coach in the NFL right now. If your criteria is 2023 going into that season, if you go career, you got to go Belichick. Yeah. If you go right now going into 2023, who's your number one head coach? It's Andy Reid. Yeah, I, I would have no problem with that ranking. Andy Reid is one of the greatest 
coaches of all time, and he's somehow underrated in this town, or at least because he didn't get over the top. Uh, but the consistency, and that was his whole philosophy, as you know, Rob, just if you're good every year and you get into the playoffs, at some point the stars are going to align. That was Andy's whole philosophy. It aligned in, in Kansas City with the help of Patrick Mahomes. That's a big part of it. But, I mean, to be that good, that consistent year in and year out, that to me defines great coaching. And everybody has bad years because it's cyclical, the talent. Uh, Belichick's had him, Andy's had him, if you coach long enough. But, man, we're lucky to see these two coaches in this generation. These are These are two of the best ever. And Andy hasn't had them in Kansas City. I, I haven't. They, I, I believe they've made the playoffs all but one year. Yeah, all but one year. And, so. and that year they didn't. They they still had a. They may have been nine and seven. I, I maybe maybe ten and six. I might be off with that one. And by the way, but, remember how bad they were before Andy got there. Yeah. People forget that, uh, Rob. Yeah. They, and they were they were nine and seven the one year. So he's been he's Mike Tomlin did in uh, Kansas City. Never had a losing season in Kansas City, um, pretty impressive because of where they were. The Romeo Cornell team was 2-14. and 14. I remember that team. They were yeah, a they, bad football team, and Andy got there. And yeah. they, they also had uh, a lot of issues. There was the, the player who, who came to the, the, the building and, and with, with yeah, the dog. Javon Belcher, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that was all the last – he completely turned that culture around, turned everything around. He, he's instantly a Hall of Fame uh, a first ballot Hall of Famer, Andy Reid will be, and and my my que- my question is, is how long is he going to do it? And I think that's what everybody is is, is is asking Andy. And there was some thought or some talk, hey, that might be it after the last Super Bowl, but not as long as Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and that crew is still still hanging yeah. around. A- Andy can chase a, a third and a fourth ring, w- and continue to do it the way he has been, and. and and I think Mahomes is certainly the difference maker for him. We see that in, in what he's been able to do in, in his career. Um, it, it's where do you put Doug Peterson on that 2023 head coach list? I I got I got to have him top five. Yeah, Doug's a very good coach. Doug's top a very 10. good coach. I don't know if I could get him into the top five. All right, Marty Man, you mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers. How about his replacement up there in Green Bay? When Rodgers took over for Favre, he went 6-10 and ten the first year. McCarthy had been coaching a couple of years. Somewhat similar to LaFleur. LaFleur's putting a couple extra over McCarthy. Um, you got any feeling on Jordan Love? I People ask me this on my show. I get Packer fans call me on my national show. I go, what do you think of Jordan Love? I have to, I don't know. I haven't seen him. Hey, he's a mystery man as far as I'm concerned. The couple of games he stepped in when Rodgers got hurt. Have you been able to draw any conclusions on Jordan Love? Are they going to have that succession in succession slash success in Green Bay that they've had for the last couple of decades? Uh, I think it's going to be difficult to match the level of play that Aaron Rodgers and then before that Brett Favre gave them to go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer to Jordan Love and expect Hall of Fame uh, career. Well, that's out what Packer fans are expecting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, 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 I don't know what that cheese is doing to their heads out there in Green Bay, if that's what you're thinking. I got to see more. I'm like you, Jody, and I think we all are in the same boat. When Jordan Love's been in the league now and hasn't done anything but a couple cameo appearances, we don't know what, what how much has he learned. Uh, he's been able to sit there 
and soak in all the knowledge he possibly could from Aaron Rodgers and learning the system and understanding it. And it's not like going out there as a rookie. He's going to go out there as an experienced guy who's been in the league, who hasn't played, but he's getting the reps now. Uh, I, I think he's ahead of the game in that sense. But I don't, I don't know if he's going to go out there and instantly be yeah. a Pro Bowl quality type player. I, I think it's going to be difficult to do that. It's hard. To, there's got to be a drop off when you go from Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers to a, a young man like Jordan Love who hasn't done much in this league yet. Well, that's. Uh, I always argue, Rob, that Green Bay has the most spoiled fan base in the country <laughs> because they have had yeah. literally. Over 30 consecutive years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. They don't know how the other half lives. Over 30 consecutive years of Hall of Fame level quarterback play. So that's why you said you can't replace a Hall. Well, they already did it. So they expect it. They would go from Barb to Rodgers to Jordan Love. I'm with you. But I will say this. I think Jordan Love's going to be better than people think. And that division is wide open, wide open, because it looks like Minnesota's rebuilding. I like Detroit, but they got a bunch of gambling suspensions they got to deal with. Chicago, I don't think they're ready uh, with Justin Fields, but somebody's got to win that division. Why not the Packers? Yeah, it, it is a wide. I think it is a wide open division, uh, and I, I'm on the Lions bandwagon. But I also still think that Minnesota's got a shot and see if uh, if they can overcome some of their losses. But it, it it might be one of those divisions where top to bottom are separated by four games: seven wins, six to ten, seven to ten. I don't see anybody coming out of there with more than a ten and seven record. They're going to beat each other up a little bit. I, I would lean towards the Lions, Minnesota, Green Bay, Bears 3-4, or Bears, Packers 3-4, either way. But I, I think it could be one of those divisions where going into December, it's it's anybody's. And, and depending on how you finish up, whoever's healthiest, you lose a starting quarterback, you lose uh, Kirk Cousins, you lose Jared Goff, and either one of those teams are a little bit uh, – they're going to come down a notch and, and – it's it's about it's going to always be a matter of who's healthiest. Can Jordan Love step in there and lead him to an eight and nine division uh, championship? Potentially, I just don't see him leading them to a, a, a ten and seven, nine and eight, or, or eleven and six type of season at this point. All right, last thing, bring it back to the Eagles for you, Marty. If I said that the Eagles' road to a return to the Super Bowl is going to be difficult because they've got the hardest schedule of any team in the NFL. Now, that's based on last year's record of the teams that they're playing this year. But like we just said with Minnesota, we really think Minnesota's going 13-4 and four again? Probably not, but they're playing Minnesota. But we're counting them as a 13-4 and four opponent as of now. If I say it's going to be difficult because of their strength of schedule, you go, Jody, strength of schedule is irrelevant. You got to do the strength of schedule week by week by week to see who they're playing. And only in-season strength of schedule is the only thing that matters. Uh, what is your thoughts on trying to evaluate how a team's going to play on the upcoming season as per their strength of schedule? Yeah, I don't put much stock into it at all. I, I think on on the to answer a question, the Eagles will have a tough challenge, or however you want to pose it. Going back, strength of schedule will be six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere down on my list. It, it, it's got to do more with some of the losses on defense. 
it's the fact that it's hard to lose a Super Bowl and get back to it the the very next year. Only two teams have ever lost the Super Bowl and won it the following year. Hasn't happened since the Patriots, and before that is the Dolphins. Uh, losing Gannon and, and Steichen, uh, and I, I know uh, it's it's the coordinators, it's not the head coach, but I think there's a drop-off there. And you, you pointed out everything that, that I would want to say about strength of schedule. It is in season. This isn't the same 13-win Minnesota team. Some of these teams, are there, there's been a drop-off with some, and some of these teams that are considered – uh, who, who had who had four seasons last year are going to be better this year. So it is it is more week to week. I don't care much about their schedule. I care about how they're playing week in and week out and what they can do. Uh, as Jalen Hurts has said, this team's got to find its identity for itself. What they did last year doesn't matter, but I, I think it sure does matter a heck of a lot in in the fact that they know they can what they can accomplish. They know they can be that front runner from week one all the way throughout the season. That's what they were last year. They were the big dog in the NFC. They carried the way. They were the, they were the team leading the pack. Uh, and, and I think they learned a lot from that. And, and they also learned a lot from how they fell short at the end. Cleats aside and Gannon being concerned or focused on his next job aside, whatever it may gotta be. Get, whatever. Got to get the cleats in there. Yeah. At Rob Motti, the great Rob Motti. Thanks for uh, taking some time on your way to the gym. I see we got a Faith on the Field live down in, if you're in Central Florida, if you're in Tampa, with Jets cornerback Bryce Hall. That's coming up uh, Monday, July 10th. You can see Rob down there. Check him out, the AP Pro Football Podcast. Um, saw you had Jalen Hurts on relatively recently. Uh, yeah. Any big name guest uh, on the podcast coming up? Uh, well, well, we'll we'll get back into it in, in the next couple of weeks. It was a great conversation with Jalen. Uh, re- really enjoyed that conversation. They can go back and catch the whole thing uh, w- w- with Jalen back anywhere you know you find your podcast. And I, I put enough clips, I think, out there that did interrupt my vacation. I will say that. <laughs> I did, did say, hey, you want to talk to Jalen? I did take a minute off to talk to Jalen Hurts uh, for, for about 15 minutes one day. But uh, may, maybe this week I'll get to writing about it because I wasn't about to sit there and, and, and do more work than just talk to Jalen Hurts. All right. So. More important than talking to Jalen Hurts. More important than McMullen and McDonald. More important. Are you getting over to the Tropical this week? Come on. Your Phillies are in your town. They're down oh. your neck of the woods. Come on. Tell me you're going to be at the Phillies Rays. I'm going to have to, but you know what I had to do this week? Because I have YouTube TV down here, and you can't get the Rays home games. So I got the MLB app, so I I watch the Phillies on my phone. Or or, my my wife never lets me have baseball on the big T. It's got to be the secondary TV, right? Right. You can't have – so it's on the phone, it's on the pad, it's it's on the computer. But now they black out the Rays games. So I'm like, how do I get the Rays-Philly series? I got to watch Nola Eflin. I know we got a barbecue and there's 20 people in the house. I got to watch Nola Eflin. So I figured out there, there was, for all my Philly fan friends who are living in Florida, if you're watching this, you got to get FUBU TV. FUBU. What do you call it? FUBU. FUBU. FUBU TV. Is yeah. it FUBU, right? Okay. Whatever it is. Okay. You get a seven-day free trial, and you can watch the Phillies race series, and then you you, you, know, you don't need to pass that seven days. So I did that yesterday, watched almost every pitch, 
uh, of my guys. No, I, I love Nola and Eflin. Had a great relationship with both of those guys. So it was nice to see that back. Nice. Game in the and, system. Nice. The NFL's going to suspend you six games. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty, man, I hope you make it over to the trap for one of these next couple of days. Get your workout in today. Thank you very much for hopping on us. We'll get you back to it, you. When Thanks, Rob. That's Rob Motti, lead writer for the Associated Press, who, uh, yeah, not only a Philly, when I say Philly guy, I mean Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y, but also P-H-I-L-L-I-E-S. I've spent time with Rob down in Clearwater covering the Phillies in spring training. He loves his Phillies as well. All right, Mac and Mac coming back. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, you know what we got to do. Put a bow on today's show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Good to be back with you guys. Uh, do me a favor. 
We got 200 and change of you guys uh, tuned in right now, streaming in. Hit the like button on the way out. Help Johnny and I out with our algorithm before the season gets underway. We want to try and pump up the numbers a little bit so that we can be here for you guys all season long. And I specifically asked that question to Rob before we got out the door because I fielded a uh, call this weekend on WIP about one of the toughnesses of the Eagles' upcoming season is going to be the fact that they have to play such a tough schedule, that they're playing a first-place schedule. Johnny, that's one of the most overrated things in the National Football League. And a little less overrated than it used to be because people have been throwing that out there for you. Oh, first place schedule. Oh, they got to play a first place. It's two frigging games. There are two games that are affected on your schedule by where you finished the year before. Those two other teams that finished in the same position in your conference that you're not playing the whole division. So this year for the Eagles, those two teams would be the Minnesota Vikings, who last year went 13 and four. If I set the over-under at 12 and a half on the Vikings, which way are you going this year, John? I might go under eight. Eight. Uh, yeah. I, I forget about 12 and a half. Yeah. So a team that's probably going to be anywhere between three, four, five games less than they were last year. Oh, the Eagles have to play the Vikings. Oh, my God. What a task. And the home opener, schedule. by the way. And the home opener where – the fans are going to be fired up. That's one of the easiest uh, uh, situations of the year for the Eagles, if you ask me. And their their other inherited game because of where they finished in the standings last year, they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who last year were quarterbacked by a guy by the name of Brady that you might have heard of this year. Good luck with the former number one overall draft pick in the NFL draft. I, do you think Trask has any chance of winning that job down there? I, no, my. I mean, I think it's going to be Baker. Baker. Baker's going to yeah. be the guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Do you yeah. have faith that Baker Mayfield's going to be any good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, but um, I do have faith that he's better than Kyle Trask. So okay. I don't think it's going to be much of a competition. I'll go out on a limb and say Kyle Trask outplays him in preseason and is no. their starter. And by the way, well, he, he might was, outplay him in preseason because Baker's probably not going to play. They're going to treat him like he's Tom Brady. So. Either either one of those guys not beating the Eagles during the year. And at least the other one is the Kansas City Chiefs, who they kind of need to. By the way, Jody, I'm getting some Andy Reid hate, as I always get from Eagles fans, which is one of the most bizarre things ever to me. But anyway, um, you know, that which is, you know, it's nice to have Patrick Mahomes, but the um you know, he only wins because he has Patrick Mahomes. He was in Kansas City for four years before Patrick Mahomes ever got there. Alex Smith. Uh, yep. Won 11, 9, the one year he missed the playoffs, 9 and 7, 11 and 12 games. The four years before Patrick Mahomes even arrived. And, oh, by the way, Andy Reid calling the shots in Kansas City. To the get him. He's yes. able to ride Patrick Mahomes yes. because he picked Patrick Mahomes. Yes. He traded up to get Patrick Mahomes, even though he had Alex Smith, as he won 10 and 11 games year after year after year. So how do you, how do you shortchange Andy Reid? I don't know, the credit he gets? but they do it. They do it. Doesn't make sense to me. All right, uh, partner, I say we do this again tomorrow. You in? Let's do it. Uh, let's see who we got tomorrow. Oh, Vinny Surratt, uh, uh, Vinny C is going to join us from the uh, 
five three. The fan, I should know it off the top of my head. Uh, former uh, general manager, of the uh, Washington at the time, now Red commanders, Skins, now Red football Skins, team, now then, commanders. Yeah. Uh, Vinny Serrato is going to join us uh, tomorrow. So, looking forward to that. Looking forward to talking to you guys again. Thanks for streaming on in with us today here on Birds Three Sixty Five. We'll talk to you in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.